All right, welcome back to the QW podcast. This is 17, and my brother is the guest today. Do you want to introduce yourself? Oh, what's up? Uh, I'm Ethan, a.k.a. Ruse, as more people know me as. Full name, please, full name. Oh, Ethan Honeke? No, no, full... Ruse Cruz. Thank you. Full gamer tag name. Yeah, let's get real. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for coming to Boise for my birthday. Oh, yeah, man. Of course. Of course, of course. Couldn't miss 21. Yeah, well, you were there for mine. That's right. I remember... In spirit. I actually, like, no joke, I consistently think about your 21st birthday. Really? Because I remember... <sighs> shoot, I can't remember was at our, if who was at our house, if it was Grimson Pawpaw. Someone was at our house, and I was chilling with them, and then we noticed Mom and Dad pull up. <laughs> and you got out of the back seat of the car and just fell onto the lawn. <laughs> Bro just fell over into the grass. Yeah. That was probably probably top six of my memories of you. <laughs> well, what happened? Like, I mean, you know how it goes. You'll find out when we celebrate how it goes. It's nonstop. Here's another drink. Here's another drink. Yeah. And you're young and small and inexperienced. Hopefully it'll be mainly free. Oh, yeah. You're not going to pay for a single drink tomorrow. Oh, no, I'm not. I just mean like on the house would be pretty cool. Oh, I kind of want a usual, like I want to be able to go somewhere and I show up and they're like, what's up, Quinn? Chloe reached that, my fiance reached that point recently with a coffee shop. She's pretty excited. Oh, nice. That's pretty sick. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to tell everybody what you do for a living? Well, we can, we can go one project at a time. So let's go <laughs> list off all the things you're working on and then we'll break it down one by one. Okay. Um, uh, so currently the bulk of my income and the main thing that's funding the things I actually care about is that I'm a back-end software developer for a company called Retailer Web Services. It's boring. Um, I just do back-end database stuff. Uh, so after that, there's a couple of projects I'm working on. Um, one of the biggest ones is Warpath, which is a card game that I'm making. Um, we have a five-person team right now working on it. And we just finished our first closed beta, so that game's coming out pretty soon. Hopefully, theoretically. You finally finished the beta? Yeah, we finished the closed beta. There you go. Okay. Um, and then uh, I have another longer-term project I'm working on. Uh, one of my long-term goals is to start a full-blown game studio. And the other project we're working on is a standalone game that I'm developing. I currently have a musician and an artist and a couple other guys working on that project. Um, so that that's a very long-term, three to four or five years. Okay big project but yeah. we're making a lot of progress the art's amazing if you need musician hit me up i think that was 14 i had uh the roommate that yeah is not here right now gavin is in a band they're actually pretty solid oh there you go yeah i'll hit you up on that and then um <laughs> there's two other projects i'm working on the first is a youtube channel that we started with the release of diablo 4 um we're currently doing about uh 40 50k views a day but, I think probably on average it's more like 30, 35. Um, Somewhere between 30 and 50. Yeah, depends on the day. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, know how it goes. I'm just, yeah. um, we just signed our first uh, ad deal with that, and you know we're partnered on YouTube and everything, and we're starting to see some money. We're, we've got, there's four of us right now that are making the content, and then we've got a video editing team that's uh, paid for by 
another project that we're working on, <laughs> which is Mobilytics. Um, so basically, so we're making like guides and videos and stuff for Diablo 4, and that's very time consuming. And then for Mobilytics, we write uh, written guides for all the builds and stuff. So we do like written guides, and we work on the website for Mobilytics. We write articles, all this shit for Diablo 4. And then we have the YouTube channel where we're, you know, putting out YouTube videos and doing ad deals and, and all that stuff. So Very cool. So I think last time I talked to you on the phone, we were talking a bunch about the YouTube videos and like mm -hmm. how YouTube works and everything. Yeah. So could you talk about um, maybe some of the things that you've noticed in people that get a ton of YouTube views? Like we were talking about yeah. Mr. Beast. Yeah. So what, okay. are, what are some things maybe that you can do that make your YouTube videos pop? Well, so the Mr. Beast formula, they call it the beastification of YouTube. And what they're talking about is the specific methodology that he uses in the creation of his videos. Basically, his concept is that like, well, th there's a lot of layers to it, but it pretty much starts with that the video starts with the thumbnail, right? It's not like the video doesn't start 30 seconds into the video. The video starts when the person sees your thumbnail and sees the title. That's yeah. Cause everyone's attention span is so short. Yeah. Well, it's not only that it's when there's a YouTube video on the screen, like when your video is recommended, they're also recommended 10 other videos. Right, and at any one time they're going to see ten videos, and they're going to pick which one to click on. Mm -hmm. And you need to try to make sure it's yours. That's something we're really good at. So we have thumbnail guys. Um, and it's a huge reason why we've been successful so quickly is that our thumbnails are just amazing. And what you want to do is you want to like it's your thumbnail has to be really catchy and clickbaity, and then it needs to segue straight into delivery of the video. This is like what Mr. Beast does, right? So it's like you know he'll title a video like. I gave, you know, $20,000 to Twitch streamers and he'll start with a clip of that kind of happening to tell you that it's real. Yeah. And then he'll leave that for the end of the video though. And then he'll do a bunch of smaller stuff in between. And the whole video is ramping and it's always fast paced. It's always catchy. There's a lot of like, the goal is to get people to watch the whole video, to entertain yeah. people for the whole duration. So when um, most of my... My YouTube videos are either the full podcast, which is automatically uploaded and it's basically a still image, or the, the clips that I make that are like 30, 45 mm -hmm. seconds or whatever. So now when you hover over YouTube videos that are, you know, 15 minutes or whatever, it'll show you like a little clip, like it'll start yeah. playing. So Do you get to choose what it plays right there? Yeah, it plays the start of the video. Okay, so straight from second one. Yeah, so what Mr. This is something that Mr. Beast has actually innovated on recently. Like speaking of him, I, I've actually been studying him quite a bit. Um, he's the best at it. That's like you want to break into a field. I generally recommend you study the best. Right. Don't necessarily copy, but learn. Um, study a lot of other guys too, but definitely studying Mr. Beast is <laughs> it's kind of a meme at this point. But like the dude has dominated the YouTube sphere to a degree that a people didn't even think was possible. And B, to a degree where, like, there is no competition. Like, he's that far ahead. Yeah. So one of the things he learned recently he was talking about was um, that people will hover your video to see what the first few seconds look like. I do that. So, so the way that he does his videos now is the thumbnail transitions into the video so that when you're hovering it, it's seamless. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so the, the click-through rate, I believe, has gone up. Which Do you know what click-through rate is? Yeah. But how do you get... If you can't choose what it plays, just like plays the start you, of the video, right? So how do you get it to start, like where the where the preplay, where the little preview left off? Oh, well that that's YouTube side. Oh okay. 
on its YouTube side. It just automatically does that. Got it. Okay. So um, what were some of the things that you quickly learned from making your first couple of videos that didn't do as well? And then the last one you were telling me was getting like something insane, like a thousand views an hour for a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it peaked at like 1800 an hour. And to be fair, like we're not the biggest Diablo channel. We still have a lot to learn. So, right. um, but we've been pretty successful for the small amount of content we've made. So it, it peaked at like 1.8K an hour. And it's currently sitting at like 140K views. It's still doing like 500 an hour, which is an interesting thing because it's been up for almost 10 days and it's been consistently doing 500. Yeah, that's what was super interesting was you were telling me that it was doing better after the first 48 hours yeah. than in the first 48. Yeah. So the way that YouTube's algorithm works, it's it's actually really intelligent. It's extremely intelligent. Basically, it it, it has a small profile on each user of YouTube, and it knows what kind of things that user responds to, and it can understand what user base each individual user can be representative of. So for example, when we're talking about Diablo, there's different classes, right? And the different classes heavily dictate your play style. So if you have somebody who's playing a necromancer in Diablo, YouTube will learn that because they're going to watch Diablo necromancer content. Mm -hmm. And then maybe they're a necromancer who always consumes the best necromancer content. And so if they watch your whole video, they're going to know this guy's representative of what necromancers want to see. So they're going to show it to more people who like necromancer stuff. But it also has to learn that your video is that, right? Well, it doesn't learn it from your video. It learns it from how people respond to your video and the types of people who watch it and the ways that they engage with it, how long they watch it, if they liked it, if they commented, all that shit. So it doesn't actually know that you're making the Necromancer videos. It just knows that people that like that stuff are watching yours. Correct. Okay. But it will use your thumbnail, or not your thumbnail necessarily, but it will use your title and the description to try to create an initial... Um, what would you call it? Like circle of who it thinks that the video will appeal to. Okay. So we have a big problem on our channel. So when we first started, um, our Druid player made amazing content, right? So Druid is another class. And so he made amazing content. So we had a problem where YouTube still thinks our channel is a Druid channel. Oh. And so when, I, when we release non-Druid videos, the non-Druid videos start really slow. And then YouTube starts to learn who they're actually targeting, and the video starts to do better and better and better. And that's what we saw at the Necromancer. But when we release a Druid video, the Druid video starts at its peak and then comes mm. down from there. So do you think how long do you think it'll be before the algorithm's able to figure out that you do more than that? I don't know. Like this is something we're actually concerned this is gonna be a very long-term problem. That we're gonna consistently have this issue of um, you know, a video is like that YouTube can't figure out what our channel is really about because the Diablo viewership base is so divided into these class categories. Mm. So what we're one of the things that we're trying to do is trying to make content that's more appealing to all Diablo players, right? Because there's a lot more people who play Diablo than there are people who play Diablo and play Necromancer, right? Yeah. It's a bigger population. Uh, is it difficult for you to like... Like, do, are, do you ever find yourself wanting to use the platform that you have on YouTube to promote your other projects, like the game you're working on? No. Because I struggle with that sometimes. Like, that, the guy that I was telling you about I was working for today. Yeah. It was like, that guy would be a sick person to invite to the podcast. Well, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. I mean, there's definitely some merit to that, I think, actually. Particularly, 
it could be on YouTube, but the problem is how we do our YouTube videos is why I'm not drawn to that. Our videos are very non-personal. Yeah. It's very professional. And the reason is because there's, there's, like I said, there's four of us making videos right now. If I show my personality to a large degree on YouTube and people don't like me, they might not watch our other guys. So we try mm. to be much more like professional, you know, clean content. It's not really based. We want to start experimenting with personality because one of the things we've noticed is that videos with more personalities get way more subscribers, have way more comments, and get way more likes. The non-personality videos can do fine in terms of viewership, but in terms of growing the channel, they don't do as well. That makes sense because it's not like people are fans of you. Right. Yeah. Right. Interesting. How do you going to switch gears completely here okay so how do you even go about like making your own game is there kind of like oh no is there like uh some kind of software that you download that you have to work off of yeah so that software is called a game engine um but but you got to rewind before you can download a game engine like you gotta you started the idea phase right so for me um i played this card game called artifact and i loved artifact i thought it was an amazing game uh, nobody else thought that. <laughs> <laughs> and the game died really hard. One of the biggest fail launches. But you were number one of like six or seven. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Of all seven players, <laughs> I was a contender for the top spot. <laughs> but that game inspired me because I, I had an idea for what Artifact could have been. Right? And, oh. and that idea for what it could have been is what drove me to start this project. And so what I did was, um, this was before I knew how to code, really. Um, so I taught myself how to code. And um, specifically, I taught myself how to code in a specific game engine. So what a game engine does is it takes all the graphic work, all the audio work, all of the you know location on the map work, just everything, every like thing that you could imagine that would be in every game. And it just takes all of that and just bundles it in a really nice package that's easy to work with. Hang on, sorry to like go back a second, but how did you how do you teach yourself how to code? Just YouTube videos and yeah. So so I downloaded this software and I knew a little bit about coding. Um, I had done a little bit of of C plus plus stuff, but not a lot. Uh, I had my comp sci friend do my homework and stuff. Like I wasn't that familiar. So what I did was I started. Um, I would just copy YouTube tutorials. So I would find games that were somewhat similar to what I was working on, and I would they would basically do a tutorial where they would start with a blank environment, so they would have nothing coded, and they would go from there and they would build, you know, it'd be like an eight-hour total tutorial, and they would build a little game. Yeah. And I would just do those, and I did I don't know five, six, seven of those, and eventually I learned all like a load of knowledge enough to at least start. Yeah. But. Oh my god, when I look back at that code I wrote back then, it is horrendous. I definitely remember you making some games like way back in the day or like Yeah, that's start... what this was. Okay. Yeah. That's... I was like, dude, this is cool that you made it, but this sucks. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I was literally just, you know, copying these tutorials. You'd like... call me into your room and you'd be like, Watch me fight this thing. I wrote this code and it like <laughs> it was cool that you made it and everything, yeah. but it like wouldn't work at all. And you're like, all right, gotta keep working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's it's hard. Programming games is really hard because like if you program a tool that somebody uses, they'll learn what's wrong with the tool and they'll work around that. But if oh. the game is broken, they'll abuse it. Right. And it'll ruin the experience. Yeah. So so you, I basically just copied these tutorials and I just kept doing it. And eventually like, I just created a new project 
Well, that's not true, actually. I, I found a tutorial that was somewhat similar to the project I wanted to work on, and I implemented it, and then I used that project as the basis. Okay. So I followed the whole tutorial, coded it all, and then I used that as the basis. And then... Um, so that's how you start with game design, right? Like you come up with an idea, you got to learn to code, you got to learn how to do it yourself. So there's going to be no money in it. I drew my own assets, right? Like like would draw little stick figures and and stuff like that, you know, draw blocks. They call it programmer art. Okay. Um, and um yours was excellent, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like if there was a leaderboard for shitty art, <laughs> I would be very high. You'd be second. <laughs> yeah, maybe third. Have you ever heard that? No. It's like, you're so bad at this. If there's a competition for being terrible at it, you'd be in second. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I implemented that. I started working on it. So, okay, so what do you do when you've started coding the game and you have, like, a framework? Well, the answer is to fail fast and fail often. So it's a common slogan. I don't know if you've heard it. Yeah. And you just want to just test shit and just go. And like when you're making the game, I try to follow what's fun. Like if I'm playing the game and I have an experience while I'm testing it, and I'm like, that was cool. Then I try to, I explore that, you know, I change the game a little bit. Like, um, you know, we, this was much further into the development, but when the game was fully working and it was playable, um, I was playing against Chloe and we were fighting and it's, it's like, you have a hero and he commands an army and it's like, their hero and their army versus your hero and your army. Okay. That's the long and short of it. And we got into a situation where I had her hero cornered and we spent several turns <laughs> where she was trying to move it and trying to navigate it and trying to protect it and position her units. And I was trying to get to her hero. And I was like, damn, that was the best this game's ever felt. You know, trying to position correctly and maneuver your units and kill this specific target. and Like you know, you're actually playing your game instead of just, like, testing it? Yeah, and well, and th that feeling of trying to kill their hero while they're trying to escape. Mm. That was a dope feeling. So I changed the way the game worked to put a much bigger emphasis on killing each other's heroes. And I made the map smaller oh. so that heroes couldn't run as far and that heroes were forced to fight. And it made the game so much more fun. And so when, what you want to do when you're making a game, so you come up with this idea, you start... Don't be married to it. You know, start testing shit and let the game, like, start with the foundation and let the game build itself. Like, just roll with what's working. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about having to release it? Are you scared to release it? Not really. <laughs> I've, like, I guess a little bit. I've kind of accepted that I've just wasted 25 grand and I'm okay with that. Like, making the project is what I care about. Mm -hmm. If people love it, that's that would be amazing. <laughs> and we're what I'm trying to do, like, I don't care about making money, so I'm not nervous about it in that regard. The only reason I care about money is because I want to make enough money that I can pay the people to keep improving it. Mm. So I need, like, if I can release it and make $1,500 a month, that's enough money for me to pay my guys. Yeah. That's exactly what I said about the podcast, where it's like, I'm not like married to the idea of getting more listeners, but it's like it, you have to have listeners to get guests, you know? Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why I. That's why I'm. That's the only reason that I'm nervous is because I just want the game to be big enough that it that I can stop pumping money into it and then it can sustain itself. Yeah, that makes sense. So you're not like, I don't know if there's a way where people could leave 
Oh, I guess maybe your YouTube channel kind of relates to that too, but there's not a way that people can leave like direct reviews, like personal. No, they can. Okay. So, well, so, so (laughs) the game I ended up making that I worked on from scratch ended up just being a prototype and I was showing it to some friends and stuff. And then they got on board with the project and this is how the team started to grow and it turned into something very different. Um, And it, well, not very different, but like, it basically instead of making the game in my engine, we made it inside of another game. It's like a mod. Okay, so that's the Dota part. Yeah, but I was asking like, well, okay, okay. go no, go ahead. You're fine. Um, I forgot your question. I was asking if there's a way, like, if you released a game, if people could oh. leave personal comments. Yeah, like so, on a YouTube video where. So so yeah so like whether or not people can give feedback. Right. So yeah, we're gonna op- we've got discords and stuff set up. And and we also have a feedback submission form set up on the website. Okay. And then how do you um, how do you do a controlled beta? Like who do you let play it, and how do they play it? So this is there's so many skills that go into making a game. It's insane. Like especially when you're talking about like an indie project, and what you're describing is like picking high quality testers. You essentially want to do what the YouTube algorithm does. Just learning. You want to pick up people who are representative of a greater group. And then you want to take their feedback, but not take it too seriously or too literal. There's a whole skill set in understanding the person that's playing your game and understanding the type of feedback they're going to give and their perspective. I'll give you an example. If I bring in some of my friends who are like professional video game players, right? Who that's what they do, you know? They like one of my friends, he's a professional Gwent player. A lot of you guys probably haven't heard of this game. He, he also plays a lot of poker. Um, we know that game. Yeah. <laughs> he, he plays poker for a living. He's one of those guys who plays poker where he's got uh, poker like on a computer. He's got three screens, and each screen has six tables on it, and he's playing 18 tables, whatever. Probably exaggerating, but he plays a lot of tables. He makes a lot of money off of poker. And when I show him the game, he's been playing card games all of his life. So when he plays the game, it's like, this is very intuitive. This is a really smart idea, and he gets it. Right, he gets it like mm. right away. Yeah, and the type of feedback he's going to give me is like, "This thing is broken. This is way too strong." Right, because he understands the game already. Oh, whereas if I show the game to somebody who's not into video games, they'll be like, they won't even know how to start playing. So mm. you, you're looking for different things from different people, and you and then the the way that they give you the feedback, they'll say like, "Oh, this just feels like shit. You need to get rid of this." When in reality, it's like, "Oh, this UI isn't good enough." And the player can't understand what they're looking at. I need to make the UI better. But they'll say it as, this is just shit. Like, just get rid of this part of the game. Is that a concern you have with marketing at all? Are you going to try to um, make some changes to, to make it easier to start playing? Or are you oh, just yeah. Gonna, yeah. Dude, our game is very complicated. It's, I think it's the best card game out there. The better player always wins. Like, if you play better, you win, which is not normal in card games. Right. Um, That's not normal in any game, really. <laughs> no like chess and that's about it yeah which is a big problem by the way uh people don't like to lose when it's their fault <laughs> <laughs> losers <laughs> don't <laughs> yeah our marketing plan is to sell the game oh so well first of all in terms of bringing in new players yeah we spent loads of time in fact we've designed core game systems around being able to introduce the player to cons- complex uh like being able to introduce the player to complex topics in a way that's very digestible. So a really good example of this is the game Civilization V. 
So civilization is a game where you build like a whole empire from nothing. You just start with like one citizen, then they build a city, and then the city slowly grows, and then you can make more cities, and the thing becomes an incredibly complex problem with a million moving parts. But the gameplay itself is a tutorial for what the crazy end game is like. So when you first start, it's really small, it's really manageable, and it's easy to understand. Mm-hmm. It's still complicated, but like you're not overwhelmed with information. There's only a couple of things that you need to be looking at. And the game is always like pointing a giant fucking arrow at the thing you're supposed to be looking at and then telling you what the numbers mean yeah. so that you can always understand. And so, and then the game over the course, for, in the case of Civ, many hours, slowly ramps up that complexity. And all of a sudden, like you can have a new player who really doesn't even understand what game they're playing still. And they're managing six cities, and they, can, they actually are following what's happening in their cities. Right. So when we designed our game, we tried to design it like that, where each time you play the game, it's like its own small tutorial. The way the user interfaces are set up, the way that you, you know, pick what units to buy and where to put them, the way that you use abilities, everything is designed to be a small tutorial, but like you're not supposed to really realize it. Mm. So just by playing the game, it's teaching you how to play it better. Okay. So each time you play, you get better because the game is teaching you, but you don't really realize it. So that was like one of the biggest things that we focus on. Yeah, that makes sense. So do you constantly just keep a, like a list somewhere of things that you need to work on? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we use a, a thing called Trello. Um, it's just basically just have uh, it's it's an online program that we have our whole team on. So okay. all of our guys are on it. And it's effectively cards. And the cards each go into a column, and the column has a header. So we have like a approved, in progress, needs testing, completed for our four columns. Yeah. And then you just drag the cards between them. And then within each column, we have a priority list. Okay. So it's ordered most important, <clears throat> least important. When you described building your team, though, you kind of you talked about um, like you'd bring the game to your friends, and yeah. then they'd have some ideas. You ever have problems working with your friends? You don't have to like say names. Or oh yeah. Like no, yeah, I mean... Because that's always something that I've been nervous about is, like, asking my friends to help. And then it's like, if they suck, then we're kind of screwed. Well, I have a few things to say about that. First of all, building a team is really hard. There's a lot of people in the world, but there's not a lot of people who are niche enough to be useful in your situation. It depends on your on the position, to be fair. But a lot of times, what I've found is, like, it can be hard to find good people, man. Yeah. Um. For our software development, so, well, I'll, first I'll address your concern about friends. So, um, that game Artifact I mentioned, I used to play, I, I'll call it semi-professional. I used to make decent money playing, but it died really fast, so it's hard to call it, like, full. Professional for a few months. Yeah. Um, good friend of mine. Um, and he and I were playing uh, Artifact together, and I showed him the, my prototype of this game, and I was like, what do you think? And he said, I think it's shit. <laughs> But that's a good man. Yeah. Well, he's being honest. He said, but I think this game has a lot of fucking potential. So we started talking and we started working out some problems and stuff. And the game really like he improved it so much so quickly. He had so many good ideas. Yeah, we butted heads. But like. And this is, I think, an important point. It was always my project that he was working on with me. Yeah. That he was helping with. And it's not important in terms of like, oh, I own it. This is my credibility. That's not what, that's not why it's important. It's important because like sometimes you get stuck and you can't agree on a decision. 
And it's like, I think it should be this way. Well, I think it should be this way. And you discuss it for hours, for days, for weeks. And at some point, it's like, you just got to pick a direction and go. Yeah. And as the project owner, I just reserve that right. And he and we have a good, really good relationship. And I virtually have virtually never done that. Maybe a couple of times. But those couple of times are really important. Mm. So that's, So when you work with friends, you don't have to be a cunt about it. Right. And don't. But it is like, and a lot of times it's like, like I'm giving him half the profit of the game. So I'm taking, uh, the way we're doing it, like once the money starts coming in, we're essentially going to split it, is the long and short of it. But it's still, at the end of the day, my project. It's, it's like, does that make sense? It's not, it's not an ego thing. It's not about the money. It's about decision making. Who has, you need somebody with final say. And that's how it can work. Okay, that makes sense. So, and you need to not use that power too much. Yeah, definitely. But um, let them have their way. I know I reference. I probably reference the freaking Jocko podcast like <laughs> okay. eight times every time I record. Yeah. He's a lot better at that shit than I am. Yeah, leadership well, and all that. Yeah, he's not so bad. But he always talks about um, how important it. Like where well, he'll go into a decision where there's, you know, two decisions and both of them will work. Yeah. It's well, like it's really common. Why not just let the other guy go? Yeah, no, one hundred percent. That's what I was. That that's kind of what I, you you articulated much better. That's what I was saying it before. Where a lot of times you just like let them do what they want to do. Yeah, you know, it's it's. I kind of view it as much, you know, not quite as much, but nearly as much their project as it is, as it is mine. Except in those few niche cases. Other than that, like, like let's go, man. Like, there's so much shit that. You need to recognize what people are good at, too. Yeah. Like, for him, bro, that dude is a beast at designing things and making things feel good. Give him a shout-out. Yes, Zvat. Russians, good guy. Okay. Oh, you were... Okay, I remember him. Yeah, he's a beast, man. He's really intelligent. Yeah. So, like, if it comes to management, like, you know, if, if somebody needs to make sure our programmer is on track or needs to meet with him... That's not his, like, he, he's not doing that. <laughs> but if we need, you know, 300 new abilities and I need him to parse through them and figure out what's good and what's shit, I can just give him this list of 300 abilities I've thought of and he will just tear it to pieces and he'll come out with, you know, four golden nuggets. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's what he's good at. And so you want to play to these guys' strengths too. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. Whoopsies. That's okay. We Ta- good? Table was free. <laughs> so, you know, you want to play to the strengths. So, um, yeah, I mean it's a big thing, man. Like working with people is hard. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I was first starting this and I was I came to you and I was like I think I want this person to help me with this and this person to help me with and you were like don't you have time to do all those things? Well, that's the thing. <laughs> like my opinion on this by the way has been shifting recently. But I, I mean, it's probably still true for you. <laughs> I don't know. I've got a lot going on. I'm not going to take shots like that. <laughs> Fair, but but like, no, that's the thing, right? So like I said, Savat isn't good at you know management stuff. Okay, who's going to do that? Right. Yeah. Like whatever the thing is, like whatever well, weakness. Hopefully you. No, but no, that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Whatever weakness your team has, that's your responsibility. So that you can build the strongest team ever, and there's going to be a weak point, and you need to be able to fill that, or you need to be able to find the people that can. Yeah, and so that's where like 
that's where that ultimate responsibility, like somebody like Jocko will talk about, comes from. It's like, okay, I have this great guy who's really good at designing things and really good at working on the game, but he needs somebody to manage him, and he needs like, and I need to just let him do his thing, right? And you got to figure it out. Like some guys, you know, they need more hand holding and stuff. They they need mm-hmm. more frequent meetings. Other guys, you just like you want you just need to give them the open open world and just let them go. Some guys need the structure and like whatever the thing is, you need to be able to do that for them. What do you think it is? Um, like maybe some characteristics or some things that have happened in your past that make you want to do something like make a game. Well, um, well, when, when I was a kid, death w- was pretty common. I had uh, several close people to me die. Um, and what I realized was that uh, time is very finite. <laughs> and like, you only get one go. And when you pick up a book and you read it, you don't really read about the guy who got a software development job as a back-end <laughs> engineer at RWS. And then worked it for 50 years. Yeah, and and I don't mean that in the case of, like, there's something wrong with that. I oh, mean for that sure. in the case of, like, you only get one go, and you're going to die. And odds are you're not going to realize it. And you're just gonna die. And you could be twenty, you could be twenty-five, you could be forty, you could be seventy, you could be ninety, but you're gonna kick it. And it's like you really wanna be kicking it and then sitting there thinking like, fuck, I didn't do anything. Like okay. I wanna think the opposite. I wanna think, fuck, I did so much, but there's so much more I wanna do. We should stop because that's like the whole point of this, like the idea behind this podcast, which is why the logo is red, white, and blue, is like I wanted to there's a lot of people that hate on our country now. Mm. And the idea was to bring on guests that kind of highlight like the. Well, the, I mean, this is a like what our country. American... Right. But the, the idea was to highlight like the, like the good things that the country has to offer. So we 100% respect these guys that like show up to work because we need them for sure. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, I think like, well, okay, so one of my best friends, his name is Josh, and he's absolutely one of those guys. Luthy? No, different guy. Okay. He's absolutely one of those guys, man. Like, we got to college. He wasn't, like, I don't mean this in the same context, but, like, just as an individual, he just wasn't as smart as the rest of us, but holy fuck, he worked so much harder than anybody else. He worked so much harder, and, like, he got through school, man. And it was so impressive because Rawl is a very unforgiving school. Dropout rate is insane. And he got through that shit. And he got out he got a job, dude. And that dude just like he works and plays games and like just lives his life, bro, and he's as happy as can be. Like at the end of the day, it's about pursuit of happiness. Yeah. I think like like speaking of American values, that is like the thing. Like you find the shit that makes you happy and you fucking like Yeah. Well that's something that we talked about. <laughs> long time ago well not a long time ago it's probably been like five months or something but uh you were asking me like what do you think it is about both of us that like make us want to do our own thing yeah do you you ever figure anything out no yeah me neither (laughs) well i think about it all the time definitely our my stepdad your dad Definitely had an impact on that, in my opinion. Yeah, that's what I said. That was, like, the only thing I could come up with on the phone. I think that's true. I think, like... Well, it was always, like... 
it was it was always like um an acknowledgement of the fact that that everything that you do is imperfect and that it could always have been better and not in the sense of like well sometimes it was <laughs> but like the takeaway that i had wasn't in the sense that like then you shouldn't have done it but rather that next time i can do it even better yeah and when you apply that next time i can do it even better to each thing that you do then and you just keep doing things and you keep applying everything that you're learning to the next thing eventually you're going to be so smart and so capable that nothing can match you but because you have this mindset even though nothing can match you you'll still be getting better yeah well, that's the hard part for people with ADD and ADHD like you and I, where it's like, it's so hard. Like, yeah, you can, the mentality is there to do something and then do it better next time, but to do the same thing next time, like to, well, do you know what I'm saying? To stick yeah, with the project and do the same thing next time is really difficult. That's because the projects that you're doing aren't interesting enough. I like the podcast so far, but and sometimes it is hard for me to like work on it. I bet it is, but here we are. Yeah. Right? And I think the reason why you're able to keep working on it is because it's interesting. And because at the end of the day, like, you like doing it. Yeah. So I think, like, a lot of the times, like, when people have a hard time sticking to something, it's not because they lack discipline necessarily. Sometimes it is. Yeah. Sometimes it's a straight-up discipline problem. But other times, like, that's just not the thing. Mm. You know? Like, this is something... Like, this is something I've struggled with a lot. Like... It's like, dude, I can't stick to school. Like, I just don't give a fuck about school. Relatable. Yeah, or like my job now. It's like, I just don't care. Like, is there something wrong with me? Like, maybe it, you shouldn't put the, you, you shouldn't market this podcast episode. <laughs> I, it's whatever, man. It's whatever. And it's like, you know, is there something, but, but this is the thing. Okay. Have you ever seen the videos of uh, kids with ADD? Like the videos with kids with ADD where they um, are sitting at a desk and in one video, it's a kid who's watching a lecture about mathematics, right? And the kid is just spurging out. And then in the next video, he's watching, he's like playing video games or something. I can't remember exactly what it is. And he's rock solid, focused Mm. in, zoned in. Yeah. And the thing is like, you can use whatever dopamine buzzwords or whatever explanations that you want to use. But at the end of the day, like for me making videos, I am locked in. Yeah. Sometimes I don't want to work on them, but when I get into the flow, man, God damn. And yeah. like, I feel so good. The ability to hyper-focus does not yes. get enough of credit. That's the thing about ADD. It's often misunderstood yeah. because people think that ADD is lack of attention. When in reality, ADD is most often hyper attention. It's just lack not of to attention thing- to shit that doesn't matter. Yes, exactly. Like you want me to fucking sit here and listen to your bullshit. Like, yeah, no, like I want to go fucking make video games. I want to go like do something like, right. And it's well, that's that- why it's so hard for kids. Cause they're expected to just sit in a freaking classroom for eight hours. And it's like, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Especially for young boys. Girls, too, to a degree, but particularly young boys. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was tough. Like, just, like, I remember when, um, I think I was in seventh grade, when mom sent me to the doctor to try, like, try to get me diagnosed. <laughs> and then... Um, Those meds fucked me up. She, yeah. 
yeah, the, I'm telling you, I should have been Evan's height. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, so she didn't let me know what was happening, right? We went to the doctor, and they asked me all these questions. And I kind of knew I just based on the questions. Yeah. And then the, she made me take, like, this piece of paper to school, and she's like, you can't read it. Like, you have to just give it to your teachers <laughs> and see if they sign it or not. So I read it after, like, the second or third teacher signed it. And it was sure enough, it was like, this. does this kid have problems focusing? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, in here. Right. Right. No, it's exactly. like when you watched me go play baseball last night. Like, I have no problem focusing on, oh, no. like, what. You, you were completely honed in on the guy on first base, and you knew exactly what the pitcher was doing. And... Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's stuff that doesn't matter. Right. But now to me, it's like, how is this stuff not hard for you guys to focus on? It's a good question. Well, okay, so I can, I can talk about it from the context of my friend Josh, who I was talking about earlier, who enjoys his programming job and went to college to do this. And like, literally, he's like 25 and he's already like trying to figure out, he's like, he's like planning on buying a house and he's going to get a mortgage. And he's calculated out that when he's 45, he can have it paid off. Like, and it's yeah. like, I don't even know when I'm going to bed. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, to, to to some people, that's hell. Yeah. But to him, like, that means he could do whatever the fuck he wants to do. Because he's got everything mapped out. He's got nothing to worry about. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's where it comes from. Because what, you know, people who really get honed in on, on their job, it's because they're working towards goals and shit. And, yeah. And because the jobs are designed to be fulfilling. Like, you know, your manager's like, good shit. You know, yeah, feels good. Well, I do know people with ADD that will become like super organized and everything. Yeah. Well, it's 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 like what we said. It's the fixation, right? It's some you know. Yeah. If, if you get fixated on being organized, you should see mm. my. Uh, you should see some of the organizational shit that I pull off. You wouldn't believe that it was my work. I liter- like literally should see it because I'm so bad at that. Yeah, I'll show you. I'll teach I, you. Some I actually stuff. like enjoy the fact that i just like jump from one thing to the next yeah no there's um especially when you're young dude like like i mean you know i've always been autistic about video games like i've always been obsessed with them but like when i got to college i went through um there were several times where like i didn't play video games for three months right just because like i w- i wanted to be a scientist that's what i thought i wanted to be yeah and I put so much effort into that. And I joined research projects and I, I was part of tech startup companies and some of them went on to make ridiculous money, but I stepped out like an idiot. But, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, and I did research with professors and I, I, I was you know working with mathematics professors and physics professors and computer engineering professors and like writing papers with them. And I was on the grad school uh, pipeline and I was fucking miserable, man. Like... Every day was filled with work, which is what I love, but I was miserable. And, like, I was doing research and trying to – I was working very specifically on quantum computation. And, like, I was like, this is what I've always wanted to do, and I'm miserable. Yeah. And then, like, I would go home, and I would play video games, and I would feel amazing. And it was like, am I addicted to video games, or am I just passionate about them? Mm-hmm. And what I <laughs> what's the difference? And what's the difference, right? And so I did those purges and all that shit where I wouldn't play video games for three months and then I would you know, I'd play them again and be like, fuck, I love video games. And like and I eventually came to the realization like 
I can't fight who I am. Yeah. Like, well, that's something I think is a really big problem now is that people, they find something that they enjoy doing and then they make themselves do it all the time, which is an admirable trait to be disciplined, but like you burn out. It depends on who you are. I never burned out of video games. Really? Never. I, well, yeah, like, you know, competing to be ranked, like, whether making them or playing them, right? Like, when I'm doing game design shit, dude, been drinking a bit. <laughs> when I'm doing game design shit, dude, I can sit down and, like, we can, I'll fucking argue with somebody or discuss with them, whatever you want to call it, about whether this number should be a 100 or a 125. And, you know, we'll discuss that for hours or, like, playing games, man. Like, I will go. Like, dude, even still, like, D4 launch, I didn't sleep. I We did, we did like, 30 hours, 30 hours, 25 hours, 20 hours for the first four days. Well, that's the beauty of doing things, like, on your own schedule and on your own and yeah. for your own enjoyment. And things that you love, too. Right. Well, that that doesn't even matter so much for me. But when it's things that I can do, like, when I, like a podcast, where it's yeah. like, yeah, I want to record tonight. Who do I know that might want to come record yeah. tonight? That's awesome. But even, like, baseball is my favorite pastime right Mm -hmm. but when we moved to boise i was so done with it because it was like you're going to practice six days a week from this time to this time and then you're going to go work out from this time to this time well i think i think the point i'm trying to make is like like when i'm talking about like how much i love game design and playing games and how i can still do that for ridiculous hours even after all these years is like it's because like i try to like okay so we were talking before like when you build a company you're trying to hire people who are really good at specific tasks and then you need to fill in their weaknesses. Mm -hmm. The other side of that coin is you need to hire people who fill in your weaknesses and you need to be on teams and to be around people who are better than you, who are good at the things you suck at. Right. And so like when, you know, when we're talking about game design, I spend most of my time working on game design and working with people. That's the shit I love. If I was, you know, hard in the trenches coding the whole time, I wouldn't be enjoying it as much. And I I would probably have to take more breaks. But when I'm designing shit, dude, I could do that forever. Yeah. So that's like, I think a lot of times when people turn their hobbies into jobs, they start emphasizing parts of the hobbies that they didn't love. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. Is there part of the making videos or making the game or anything that you found that you haven't enjoyed at all? Other than the coding? Um, I do enjoy the coding, by the way. Just not as much. Oh. But I can, I can do 10 hours a day of coding. That's nuts. I can't do 10 hours a day of anything. <laughs> Wait till you find something that you fucking love. <laughs> no, but um, something I didn't like. I don't know. I've never thought about it before. Um, well, there's things I'm bad at. Like, okay, I'll give you an example. Um, like, user interface. Like, figuring out, like, the best way to lay out the screen. Like, I'll go, oh. I'm down to give, like, broad tips, but if I had to be really specific, like, that's not, like, something I'm good at. It's not something I enjoy. Does it bother? Do you get discouraged from doing things like that because you're bad at them? No, like, dude, the thing, like, I view games as, like, one giant art piece. And, like, it's one giant puzzle that you have to solve. So, like, when I'm working on that, it's still towards the common goal that I just cared so deeply about. So, I'm not really affected by it that much. That makes sense. I don't know. I'm, I'm a very obsessive person. so And I'm obsessed with completing the game and making the best game possible. So, you know, 
yeah, okay, I don't enjoy that quite as much. But if I had to do that for crazy hours, I would do it to get the game done. Mm. But, but, but <laughs> I found a guy who's a professional UI designer. Yeah. He loves it. He does it way better than me. So, like, you know, he well makes done. up for my weakness. Do you ever read the comments on your YouTube videos? Oh, I respond to virtually everyone. How many do you get per, well, I'll say how many, how many comments do you think there are like per view? Oh. Or wait, Maybe did I ask one, that backwards? One comment per 500 views. Okay. Roughly. It depends. The good videos get like one comment per 250. Okay. My videos get So like, that's a lot of comments. Yeah. Something that has like 100,000 views. Yeah, there'll be like 200 comments. Sometimes more, sometimes less. How many of them are positive versus negative? I would say 60% of them are just questions. Mm. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's what you want to see. Yeah. Sometimes it's really intelligent people pointing out potential mistakes. Right. And then sometimes it's just like people who didn't watch the video. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes it's people who watch the video, but I didn't make something clear enough. Mm. You know? Um in terms of positive versus negative, it's probably like of the remaining 40%, probably 60% of them are positive, 40% are negative. Maybe 70% are positive. Do you pay any attention at all to the negative ones? Yeah, as much as I pay to the positive ones. It's just data. Like if somebody says something like, you're stupid, stop making videos. It's like, okay, <laughs> just ignore. Yeah. But if somebody says something like, um, yo, uh, I tried your build and it's fucking dog shit. It didn't work. I didn't do any damage. Then it's like, okay, what, ha like, what happened? What was lost in translation? Yeah, because you know it worked because you did it. Yeah. And if 10 people say, hey, I tried your build and it doesn't fucking work, then it's like, you know, if 10 out of 200 people said that left a comment said this build didn't work, it's like, okay, what, what did I fail to communicate? So you just got to view it as data. Like, it, I don't think you can fully ignore it, and I don't think that you can internalize it either. It's it's a data point. Yeah. That's interesting. Because a lot of the people that I've, I've heard talk about stuff that they do where they get, you know, comments on Instagram or whatever, they all say, like, I pay no attention to the negative ones. Well, probably on Instagram, it's a lot of, you're stupid, stop making videos. Probably. It's probably not a lot of constructive negative comments. Yeah. Well, this is the thing, too. Like, It's like what I was talking about the game, where somebody will play a, a system in the game, like a playtester, and they'll be like, this felt like shit. And it's like, okay, <laughs> let's break that down. Like, why did this feel like shit? Like, what about it specifically? And so as a content creator or as a video game developer, whatever it is that you're making and you're getting negative feedback... You have to be smart enough to figure out, A, like, is there validity to this? Or is this dude just, like, is he a minority? Or is he actually representing, like, how people will feel? Yeah. And the second thing you need to do is you need to be able to decipher that comment and figure out what is actually causing the negativity. A lot of times people just say, I felt bad about this. And it's like, okay, I need to figure out why they felt bad. Do you? Sometimes. Not always. But if 10 people felt the same way out of 100 people who gave you feedback, then it's like, okay, this is this probably needs some work. Yeah, that makes sense. I probably didn't do this right. Yeah. Yeah. But they won't know how to tell you. what. Like, they'll, they'll give you ideas. Mm -hmm. but a lot of times, though, they won't know how to solve the problem they're having. How many videos does your 
What does that channel have? Mm, 2025. Okay, how long has it been going for? Uh, about a month and a half. Okay, before this, two months before this question, shout it out. Oh, Goblin Inc. Let's go, Goblin Inc. Yeah, I subbed. Yeah, I don't think Goblin Inc. subbed back though. I I'm think... subs. I don't think the YouTube channel is. <laughs> so I was gonna ask if you do you ever feel like if you restarted a YouTube channel with like the exact same premise, do you feel like it would dominate? Oh, did you? I, I'm okay. A lot of people, I think, get too obsessed with the idea of subscribers. Mm -hmm. I'm an algorithm worshiper. I believe the algorithm is king over everything. Having a lot of subscribers helps your video get started. But what's going to carry your video is whether or not it's a good video. And if I took what I knew now and made a new channel, I think I would do maybe 15% less views. But I bet you, I mean, we would get back to that point in a week or two. Yeah. Our, like, let me put it like this. Like, Dude, like this mindset of like, okay, what can we do better next time? Every time I make a video, every time I make a skill tree section, like you break it down like minute by minute, like my intro, my, you know, how do I do my first 10 seconds? How do I do 10 seconds to 30 seconds? How do I do 30 seconds to a minute? And you break down each of those things. Dude, the videos we're making now are like better and like every measurable aspect than our old videos. And it's going to keep being like that. And it's reflected in the view counts. Like at the end of the day, good content will do well. Especially on a platform like YouTube with a godlike algorithm. Yeah. Hmm. So, I'm just yeah. I'm thinking that it's a lot different than like in podcasting. It's almost better if people are fans of you than fans of your content. I think. Yeah. Well, some YouTubers. This is the thing. A lot of YouTubers make their brand them themselves. Yeah. And that works really well for people with good personalities. <laughs> Sir, please silence your phone. <laughs> it's very bothersome no but um like a, a lot of people do that on youtube too where like the content is them well it's weird with like someone like mr beast where the it, content is him but then after he became famous then he started doing like the burgers and the chocolate bars and all this other well, stuff, where most people that have a podcast are like they've done stuff and then they start a podcast so i don't i don't agree with you um well, I don't know. Podcasting, yeah, you're right. Explain yourself. <laughs> but Mr. Beast's content wasn't himself. Mr. Beast blew up when he started doing challenges. The content was the challenge. Mm. His personality just augmented it. But the content was the challenge. Makes like, sense. Or the giveaways. What'd you say? I said, or the giveaways. Well, he had to make money before he could give anything away. So like his first, you know, some of those are BS though. Like I've I've seen a lot of the, do you know what Hollywood cash is? No, it looks like freaking impeccable from real cash. Okay. So these guys, these YouTubers and TikTokers and stuff, will go around and throw out this Hollywood cash and give it to people. Oh, he and stuff. might do that, but he actually gives them real money. I know Mr. Beast is pretty legit because oh, people okay. will people will go back and be like, yo, he actually gave me all this yeah, money, yeah, yeah, stuff like that. But I don't know that it's necessarily true that you have to make money before you can give it away because you can give away fake shit. Oh, yeah, you can fake it for sure. Yeah. No, faking it is viable. Like, this is one of the things we learned about on YouTube. Okay, so we theorycrafted before Diablo 4 came out an unhealthy amount. <laughs> we were obsessed with the game. We were going through all the data mine shit, which basically, like, people just figured out all the numeric values for everything before the game came out. 
and we were doing like we had all these fucking spreadsheets and we were calculating how much damage everything did we theory crafted the game to death before it came out and when the game came out we had the best builds period we were so far ahead of everybody else but our videos were doing they were doing well you know 25 30k but there were people who were posting like just dog shit builds and they were way worse at the game they were getting 400k and at first we were just mad we're like okay people are stupid like this is just rigged everyone else is wrong everyone's wrong but what we realized was that it was more important to convince the viewer that your build was good than for it to actually be good. Mm. But if they learned that you wronged them, then they wouldn't trust you again. Or so, it was just that you guys were so far ahead, people couldn't even comprehend the content you were making. Unironically, that was part of the problem. But it wasn't because we were too far ahead. It's because we were not cater not not making content for them we right were making content for us that was the wrong decision so what we realized was okay our builds are better right we need to show that our builds are better we can't just numerically show that our build is better we need to show in gameplay like we need to convince the person watching that this is the best version of this build they're ever going to find and like that was something big that we learned like when you're talking about like you know success on youtube like you need to convince people that you're authentic, that you're real, that what you're doing is legitimate, that you're correct, or, or whatever it is, like it, you know, whatever you're selling. In our case, we're selling good builds, so we got to convince them that it's a good build. Like, if they don't think it's a good build, they don't give a fuck. But yeah. if I can convince you this build's a really good build, whether it is or not becomes a factor later. Yeah. Yeah. So what I we totally blanked at how we got here. Well, we were we were talking about like authenticity. And oh, oh, that's something else that we talked about the other day was how much the, like, quote-unquote, clickbait has changed. Yeah. The clickbait's a lot more accepted now than it used to be. Yeah. Because it works. <laughs> well, it's also not, like, nearly as much, like, I guess, in, like, news headlines sometimes are super clickbaity. These, but these guys would post builds that were just dog shit builds. Just bad. Well, it used to be and clickbait say, was, like, the content wasn't even the same as the title. Oh, Okay, that's different. They would just, these guys just they tend to just lie, mm. or we can't tell if they're lying or if they're just stupid. Both. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but it doesn't like the point is like, like th and this is where this is what we learned from Mr. Beast in turn like this whole discussion about clickbait and and lying and authenticity. What Mr. Beast does is he clickbaits the shit out of you, and then he fucking delivers on that. He clickbaits you with something ridiculous, like a, a million, you know, what would he say, like a billion dollar yacht, whatever his most recent video was, or he'll do like, I gave $100,000 to a homeless person, like whatever the fuck he's doing. And he will clickbait the shit out of you, but he'll actually fucking do it. Yeah, well, that's not clickbait. That's just marketing. Right, but, right. And so, I'll, I'll, so that's kind of a modern way of thinking. So the way that people tend to think about it now is it's only clickbait if you don't deliver. Right. That's what I think. Yeah. A lot of people think that. But if you deliver on it and you make good on your clickbait, then that's just good marketing. Like you said, like yeah. that's just smart. That's just an accurate title. Right. <laughs> yeah. And this is a problem though that we have with our guys, like with, because we're all like super hardcore gamers who just want to be the absolute best that we can be at the game and make perfect builds. And so when you're like, okay, make a clickbait title, they're like, well, this build's pretty good, but I know there's better builds. <laughs> it's like, that's not the point, right? It's like, 
what is the thing that your build does the best? Mm. I know it's like very centric on Diablo, but it's like what is the like what is the thing that is so fucking impressive about your build that if I'm playing sorcerer, I need to click on your build to learn what the fuck how did you do that? Yeah. Like whether you're killing this ridiculously hard boss or clearing, you know, really hard content, like whatever it is. Like, you know, I made a video recently uh, just got through editing about a build where you're permanently invincible to damage. That's pretty damn good clickbait. Yeah. The build doesn't do a lot of damage, but you can't really die. <laughs> That's my kind of build. Yeah. I'm in. Right. So you don't make the title, this build does decent damage, but it's not as good as other builds. You say, this build is permanently immune to damage. <laughs> yeah. How big was the the push that Blizzard put out to market the new Diablo game? Oh, yeah. It was absurd. Huge. Huge marketing. One of the most marketed games of all time. So um, how do people like you that make content and Blizzard like feed each other? Does that make mm. sense? Yeah. No, it does. Um, so Blizzard actually fucked us. <laughs> so when the game was 10 days away from releasing... Blizzard made the decision to do a press beta where they gave people full access to the game. The entire game, no restrictions. But you had to be, have at least 10,000 subs on YouTube. Damn. I made that number up, but like essentially it was like if Blizzard knew you and you were good at doing YouTube or Twitch, they would give you access to the game. So what happened was we had all this theory, and we had all these builds, and we knew how good the builds were. We were ready. And then all these guys got into the beta and they just made videos about the builds before the game even fucking came out. Mm. And there was nothing we could do. Every single channel that got into that closed beta exploded because they were the only ones who could cover it and like 40 channels got in. It fucked us on launch. Like all of the prep that we had done before the game came out was kind of wasted because they just got all the content out before we could even play the game. Like, they had videos of the builds at max level in perfect in-game gear before we were even able in to 10 play. 10 days? Yes. What the hell? Well, yeah, because a lot of these guys played, you know, 150 hours in 10 days to get the videos out. Like, they put their work in. Yeah. But it fucked us. But that's, like, when you're talking about what relationship Blizzard has with content creators. Not a good one. It was good for them. A lot of content creators that were small exploded because of this, and good for them. But they do fuck over people like us. Yeah. So this is the kind of relationships you get, though. You get contacts. You get access to betas early. You get feed. They ask you for feedback, like, "Hey, what do you think of this?" You know. But that must make make it like ridiculously hard for games like the one you're making, where a company like Blizzard can pay to put the fucking Diablo logo on all the KFC wrappers. Yeah. And then they pre-released this game and they have all these people make videos of it. Well, for sure. And and it's not only that, it's also like Diablo 4 is just a really fucking well-made game. Yeah. Like, as a solo developer, I could spend my entire life working on a game and it would never be as good as Diablo 4. (laughs) Like, you just can't do that as one person. Yeah. And like... And the thing is, like, you're competing with, like, when I put out, like, when I when our games come out, we're competing with Diablo. We're competing with Path of Exile. We're competing right. with World of Warcraft. We're competing with Call of Duty, Valorant. Like, every good game that you can think of. And, like, and every indie game, Stardew Valley, you know, like, uh, Vampire Survivors. Like, all these little indie games, too. Like, everyone is competing for your time. You're And, like, dude, you're even competing with YouTube. You're competing with Netflix. You're competing yeah. with Twitch. 
It's hard, man. Did you ever watch the documentary uh, Social Dilemma? Yeah. That was pretty interesting where they were talking about how if the service is free, you're the product. Yep. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, never even thought about how you have to compete with all these other, like all the streaming services. Oh, yeah. Dude, you want to know one of the best ways to grow on YouTube? Suck up people's time. (laughs) I don't know. Part of it, yeah, is you keep people on the platform. If people watch your video, even if they watch the whole video, if they click off of YouTube after it, the algorithm punishes you. But what's the? You just got to get them into the next video then. Somehow, yeah. Whether it's your channel or another channel, better if it's your channel. But if you can keep people on YouTube, the algorithm likes that. Yeah, that's how it works. Because YouTube Mm. knows they're competing with Facebook. They know they're competing with Instagram. They know they're competing with TikTok. So what they want is videos that keep people on YouTube. Hmm. Interesting. So does YouTube get, because you were telling me that you guys have um, some advertising offers. Mm -hmm. Does YouTube get any of that? So, okay. So YouTube has a super sophisticated algorithm for recommending videos, right? Yeah. They also have a super sophisticated algorithm for recommending ads. Yeah. That program is called AdSense. As a a content creator, we get 70% of the revenue from ads. They keep 30%. That's a lot. That, that we they, get 70 or they get 30? That they get 30. Yeah. Well, they actually lose money on YouTube, but that's a whole different discussion. YouTube operates in the negative. Um, but but when we do ad reads, we keep everything. Okay. So it's only like YouTube ads that they take a split. Speaking of ad reads. Oh, segue. Yes, sir. You like coffee? Monkey Colt coffee. <laughs> this is so bad. This is in the middle of nowhere. But I did forget to do it at the beginning. So yeah, go to go to monkeycultcoffee.com. Use promo code QWPod, 10% off the best coffee on God's green earth. I should have made you a cup, but um, we have other things to stay hydrated with. <laughs> and coffee at 11 o'clock is also probably not the greatest idea. Unless it's monkey cult. That's true. I wonder if, I wonder, uh, if they've ever thought about making a decaf version. No? Yeah. Yeah. Should text my boy about that, but yeah, they've they also have super cool merch. Like my last podcast guest, he was like, he saw this shirt that I have hanging up, and he's like, I don't really drink coffee, but like that logo is sick. I might go get a shirt. Yeah, it's dope. So check out the the ten percent off also works on merch. Oh, yeah, really? Yes, sir. Give me a t shirt. I'm hooked up. Yeah, that's big. All my listeners are hooked up too. Yeah, yeah. Get in there while you can. Go get a shirt. They've got um mugs and i think a coaster too i heard they're running out so you better get in there quick oh absolutely no matt's such a good dude though i know i say it every time i do the, the ad read but the owner matt is such he's worked so freaking hard he has so when he messaged me to uh to offer to to partner up yeah i was like how many how many employees do you have and he's like it's me wow so so i ordered the bag of coffee and he's like hey man got your order I'm going to try to get it shipped to you tomorrow. I was like, you have to like take the bag and like ship it off. It's like, that's the way it goes. So it's just him. Jesus. The man's a grinder and he just started uh, this year. Well, Christmas, I think of last year, but anyway, impressive monkey, monkey cult coffee. It's freaking delicious. The bourbon chocolate chip one does not have alcohol in it. Is it good? It is delicious. The other one is, I mean, it's good, but I definitely like the bourbon chocolate chip one more. And then uh, it's a 
I've heard that there may or may not be a new flavor coming soon. Oh, yeah. Give me some of that. Anyway, who are some of the companies that want to advertise for you? Are you allowed to say? I don't know the etiquette on this shit. I'm new to YouTube. I got to we'll add... say. Well, I'll ask what kind of companies are. They? Well, when, when mobile games. Okay. So it's like half mobile games, half uh, people who sell Diablo Four items and carries for real money, which we can't do those. But mobile games, yeah. There's also PC sales companies. What is a PC sales company? Like they sell computers. Oh, okay. We got one of those coming out soon. I think, when's this podcast coming out? Uh, right when we finish. Okay. Yep, I'm getting it up tonight because I posted yesterday and said that it was going to come out tonight. Yeah. Better get it. Hey, yo. So we got, uh, yeah, mobile games. Mobile games play pretty fucking well because mobile games make a lot of money. This is its own whole discussion about how mobile games are just dominating the gaming industry, but it's wild. Everyone's on their phone all the time anyway. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's so easy to like, when you're out doing something else, you just pull out your phone and start playing a game. Yep. And the monetization model that phone games use is much more profitable than the ones that PC games tend to use. Mm. Have you ever thought about trying to make a mobile version of your game? Oh, yeah. Do you think it's possible? There's some problems, um, but it's possible, yeah. But there's definitely some problems. There's The way that the, the UI works in the game, you have to be able to see a lot of things at once, which is not conducive to mobile. We thought about specifically designing the game to work on mobile, Yeah, but we opted out because we just want to make the best game possible. Sure. What about some of these games? <clears throat> Sometimes there'll be a game on PC that's like not even the same on mobile. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's almost a different game. Yeah, that's... Yeah. You ever think about doing something like that where it's, like, the same title and, like, you still made it, but it's, like, a <laughs> so, like a simpler version or something? I, so, I've, I've, got, I've had a couple thoughts on mobile games. Something I've thought a lot about. Like, if you want to make money, make mobile games. That's what the fucking money is. Well, nope. the idea of, for your game is so that you can at least get money back to work on a new game, right? Right. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, if you want to make money, make mobile games. What? And you need to make them as greedy as possible. <laughs> that fucking works. Yeah. Diablo came out on the phone. Diablo Immortal. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. They made an ungodly amount of money. Is it awesome? No, it's dog shit. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Because, yeah. Because you can pay money to be stronger than other people. Mm. That's all it takes, baby. Yeah. No, so That's so many games now. Yeah. So many My heart's broken over Destiny cuz I've been playing that game for so long. Shouts out. Shout out. No, <laughs> fuck Bungie. <laughs> no, Not shout, a shout out, out to the Broken Hearts. Oh yeah. Cuz yeah, I've been playing that game for so like when Destiny 1 dropped that game. Yeah. It was so beautiful. I remember, man. It's such a good-looking game. Well, yeah, and I think well, this is the th- this is the thing is people will pay to win, and this is the problem with mobile games is like you get non gamers to pay to win, and they don't give a fuck. Right, you're not going to get a hardcore Diablo four player to fucking pay to win. They'll just quit your game. But you get some mobile game players. You get you know normies, the kind of people who play Destiny. Hey, it you, was a good game. You know what's really sad is Destiny's bigger now than it ever has been. No shot. It's, I don't believe that for a freaking second. That's well, okay. Destiny Two is the biggest it's been. I still don't believe that it's huge right now. That's crazy because when 
the matchmaking, I guess, must just be like unbelievably good. Because when Kyle and I play, we'll play like we'll recognize people's usernames. And we don't play that often. So my dad is specifically from Steam. So PC gamers. Oh. So maybe it's different on console. Yeah, PC gamers are dorks, so that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, but okay, so but this is the thing about mobile games, right? Uh so mobile games you they're very pay to win. But something I've noticed, like I really just want a good fucking game to play on my phone while I'm on the airplane with no internet. Yeah. It's the only time I try to play mobile games. And the game, like, I can't find one. Mm-hmm. And it's to the point where, like, I'm like, maybe I should just make one. There you go. Just make a cool free game that's, like, fun to play offline. Yeah. Like Geometry Dash. Yeah, something like that. You know? Actually, yeah. Yeah, just something stupid that'll occupy people. Well, I would want to make, like, an ARPG where you, like, build a character and have a build and... I would say the problem with making a game like that is if people are playing it on the airplane, they're not going to get any ads while they're playing it. Oh, yeah. You're not going to make any money. Hmm. But, like, dude. Dude, some of those games that we used to play, like, on the iPod Touches. Bro. I know. So good. I know, man. Those were good games. games. You know, I had to download an app that let me download uh, Stick Wars off of that app. Do you remember that game where they the little stick figures attack your wall and you like launch them and then you can buy archers and put people yeah, in prison and stuff? Dude, so I had to buy it. I had a no, I didn't actually buy it. It was free, but I had to download an app to let me download that game. That game was fucking awesome. Man. <laughs> it was awesome, dude. Yeah, I miss that shit so much. Like, bro, I just miss like really like. I feel like okay, there's still games that are made by passionate, driven developers like God of War, Elden Ring. D4 even to a degree. This is going to be controversial right now, but you wait a year and that game's going to be godlike. But like they still exist, but they don't win. <laughs> Most of them don't win anyway. Some of them do. Elden Ring was a tremendous success. But bro, you want to make money, just make a fucking pay-to-win dog shit mobile game and you're going to make like way more money for way less investment. Mm. It's it's sad. That's kind of like that's kind of the way the world is trending right now, honestly. It's like the more creative stuff doesn't get the... Dude, it's not recent. Really? This is how it's always been. You think so? Dude. I think bro, it's even dude. more extreme now because like we were talking about AI art. Yeah. It's like art people are buying that no one even really created. Yeah. Well, okay. I'll give you an example. William Shakespeare. You've probably heard of him. He's a good friend of mine. He did okay. I think I was supposed to read one of his plays in high school. <laughs> That dude was a slave to the king. The only reason he was able to write shit was because he was financed by people. It's the same shit. Like, as an artist, this is what's so hard about being an artist. I I consider game design art. We can wait. Can you stop? Can you explain? Because I would use Shakespeare as the counterpoint to that. If you can go from being a slave to well, if you could work, you got to work within your mold. Yeah, he's not gonna write a fucking play about how retarded the king is or like whoever's finances are. I can't remember the specifics anymore, but he's not going to write a play about how stupid his investors are. He's not going to make a play making fun of their industry. He's not going to write a play calling them out. Well, there's a lot of people now that make a living doing that. Yeah, but look, okay. I'll give you a different example. Um, Well, maybe this is too off subject, but, I think this example applies. So Elon Musk, okay, he wants to go to Mars, right? How do you get to Mars? Well, 
First, you got to be able to go to space for cheap. Okay, so we need to be able to use reusable rockets. Okay, how do we monetize reusable rockets? Well, people want to go to space, and NASA makes a lot of space trips. So if I can do NASA space trips for really cheap, then the government will pay me to send up aircraft to the International Space Station. Okay, that's step one. Now the government's paying, okay? So what's the next thing I need? Well, now I need to be able to get a fuckload of material into space. Why? Because I need to be able to build rockets in space so that I can and use them as launch pads to shoot off to Mars, right? Okay, how do I monetize um, putting a shitload of stuff into space? Well, there's a lot of the world that is heavily regulated on their internet usage, and a lot of places in the world don't even have internet. What if I just made this giant mess of satellites that just gave the entire world access to the internet unrestricted and then charge them for it? Okay, so now I'm... Making money for going to space. I'm making money for being able to put a shitload of stuff into space. And he's going to keep monetizing it as he goes, right? The system requires him to be able to make money to do what he wants. Yeah. But he figures out how to work within those constraints. Same with people like Shakespeare. He can't make fun of his investors. He is restricted in his art. But his art flourishes within that space. And that's what it's all about. Like, you're never going to be able to be as free as you want to be. And so even, like, Rogan is beholden to shit. He can't have on all the guests he wants to have anymore. I don't think that that's true for everybody. Like, if you go back and listen to, like, the, not, like, Eminem's songs, but, like, the full CD, if you put in the CD, it's constant skits of him making fun of his producers and arguing with his managers. Well, why does that work? Why is he allowed to do that? Why do they still People produce? like sticking it to the man. Yes. Because it makes money. Well, that's what I'm telling you. So an investor will tolerate getting made fun of if they're going to make more money by being made fun of because that's yeah. what an investor cares about. So Shakespeare just didn't figure out how to do that. Yeah, but what I'm saying is like you still have to do it with a profit incentive in mind. Mm. Right? You can't be a true artist just expressing how you feel. You can be. Right, but you're not gonna like. You just have to accept that you won't be as successful, and it's the same with game design. It's the same with video making. Like at some point, you just got to make clickbait titles and sell out a little bit. Yeah, because that then you can make money to make real art and have real art in there. But you have to be able to monetize that art if you want to do it sustainably. A lot of people take that approach, but then when you start making money, you don't have. You ever heard like art is pain? Art is pain. Yeah, art is pain. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's true. So when you start making money, you don't have that anymore. And then you don't make real art because you don't have that struggle anymore. Um, Like 21 Pilots did that. When they, it's true for some people. So when 21 Pilots put out Vessel, that's when mom and dad were like going to Columbus yeah. to see him. Well, I guess that was actually maybe like while they were putting out Vessel or while it was like a couple singles were out. Anyway... They talked to the singer Tyler's brother, and he's like, the next album is going to be like super manufactured, like, like you know, make the record label happy so that they can start making some money and be famous. And then the one after that, he said, was going to be like back to their roots. The one after that came, and it was this like worst shit. Yeah, I mean, it's this, hard to find that balance, right? I don't think it, like name someone that has. Uh, I don't listen to a lot of music, so but I can. Talk okay, about well, it doesn't have to be a musician. Uh, Elden Ring. 
That game blew up. Yeah, and it's also an artistic, absolute fucking masterpiece. They found the balance, right? They made a game that sold, like, I don't even know how many copies, like tens of millions, I believe. Or at least millions. It's at least, I'll just say millions, because I'm not sure if it's tens of millions. They sold millions of copies. And that game is like, dude, the artistry in that game is fucking amazing. The music, the visuals, the sound, the boss fights. Bro, it's like... Like tear jerking, dude. It's so amazing. It's so beautiful. And they made a fuckload of money doing it. They found the balance, right? That's what you got to operate within the constraints you have. Well, there's definitely times where it's like you make something out of like struggle and pain and then it ends up doing well. Yeah, for sure. And like if the struggle and the pain was the the only thing that you had that made the art good, then yeah, you're going to lose that. Yeah, but you know, a lot of guys, a lot of you know, Elden Ring didn't. Another, what they, what'd they do after that? They haven't done anything. Well, they started with so the studio started with Dark Souls, or I okay, <laughs> I'm gonna probably probably sound like an idiot. I don't know what they started with. The first big title they made that I know of is Dark Souls. Dark Souls is a fucked up game. It, it goes against everything that people say works. It's a hard as fuck game. That most people will never get past the first mob that they meet because it will just beat the shit out of them. And they'll never even beat the first monster they encounter and they'll quit the game. Game did really fucking well. Made another one. Game did even better. Made another one. Game did even better. Made another one. Game did, I think, slightly worse. (laughs) Then they made Elden Ring, which was like the game, right? For a long time. Is that the one we used to play with the Luthies? Lord of the Rings game? No, 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 no. These are completely different. Okay. What's Elden Ring? It's effectively a sequel to Dark Souls. It's um it's it's okay, so it's like a it's a like medieval combat game where you have access to some magic and you basically just fight fucked up bosses the entire time. Bosses were like it's like 300 attempts to kill the boss. Mm. Right? Where it's just you have to learn all their attack patterns. It's so yeah. fucked up and it's so bullshit. And it's so unfair. And it's so like dude Bro, like, you picture, like, dad playing that game, bro. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wouldn't either. <laughs> yeah, right? And that's the thing is, like, that's what people think about those games. They're like, those games don't work. Like, they're just going to piss everybody off. Nobody's going to play it. Turns out they could actually do really well if you, if you design them well. And, like, they, like, what I'm trying to get at is, like, they're also very beautiful games. They're really, really beautiful games. Enemies are... Dude, their enemy design is the most creative shit ever. Like, you'll see enemies in that game, like, that you're just like, wow, I can't believe that's an enemy. And you'll see landscapes that are just impressively designed, and you'll see, you know, art on the wall and all kinds of shit. That's just the most impressive shit you've ever seen. The music is fucking amazing. Like, all of it, man. And yet they made a fuckload of money, and that's what I'm getting at. Like, there there is a way to find balance between making money and making art. Yeah, but... I mean, those games were never, like, like they did well, like, no disrespect. Well, okay, for the record, Elden Ring is, like, one of the top grossing games of all time. It's, it's up there. Really? It's in the, it's, I, I know well, it's in, like, the top millions? 100. How many, many copies? You don't even say copies anymore, do you? <laughs> how many downloads does the new Diablo game have? Oh, probably more than Elden Ring. Yeah. So how many? Does so it, okay. So, so what's like a what's like number one is is it still World of Warcraft or no something? Minecraft? Oh, so how many? Minecraft. Like, what's is like, a what's like a ridiculously good download number? Like top three, top five. 
uh, like hundred million ish. So when you say that you're not even comfortable saying Elven Rings is tens of millions, like, so I th- I think Elven Ring is like in the ballpark of like ten to fifteen million. I think, but it that's could... not like that's not even in the same ballpark as hundreds of millions. Well, okay, so okay, well, let's talk about Minecraft, top selling game of all time. Okay, do you know what Minecraft was at its beginning? I mean, we played it damn near its beginning. Yeah, it's one fucking dude. Yeah, who's like. Bro, what if like there's like blocks, <laughs> like right? He's just like high as fuck. Like, what if there's like blocks, man? You could like place the blocks yeah, and you, you, you just the cow. <laughs> you just punch them until it breaks. And dude, that dude solo drove the game for a long time, and like that game was a pure project of passion. Just one dude who was like, I got like this. Is, this sounds kind of cool. Like, okay, I'm gonna prototype it and sell the prototype for ten bucks. Okay, the prototype sold 100,000 copies. Okay, I'll make the game a little bit better. Okay, now I sold a million. That's kind of weird. <laughs> make the game. Eventually, sold it for however many billions. It's still is fucking huge. Bro, like, what is that if not an artistic endeavor? Yeah. It's a, it's a pure um, project of passion. It started out that way, but now it's like merch and yeah, but toys like, and Legos. and. You're right. You're right. Like it's not the, the art. The, the soul game. will always be killed. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But the game didn't sell for billions. Yeah, it did. No, it was the brand that sold for billions. It was the T-shirts Ooh. and the backpacks and the Legos and. Because what Microsoft bought it for? I want to say six billion. I don't know. But they weren't. They didn't pay six billion because they thought that they were going to sell more than six hundred million new copies for ten dollars. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thought. They bought this the indie spirit. Yeah, it's like when Mr. Beast got offered the billion dollars or whatever it was. They're buying it for the brand. Yeah, yeah. They didn't buy it. They didn't offer to buy it because they were still going to give people islands and hundreds of thousand dollars like, and stuff. Well, okay. To be fair though, like Notch, the original creator, like yeah, he's been full blown canceled now, and he got super fucking depressed. Cause... Wait, what happened? What do you get canceled for? Oh, he. Uh... This one's like debatable like it's it's not one of those ones that's like clear cut this is wrong he shouldn't have been canceled it's not one of those ones clear cut he should be i think they're all like i think they're all debatable yeah i mean basically he just got like really depressed and like got really into partying and stuff and then he started saying i i'm not i'm not gonna remember exactly what he said poor poor kanye (laughs) he just said some stuff he shouldn't have said and basically he got completely purged like he had already sold the project, but they scrubbed his name from everything. He doesn't get invited to the Minecraft clans anymore. You know, what did he do? He posted some shit he shouldn't have posted. He said some... I can't remember the specifics, bro. This isn't the point. I'm looking it up now, but yeah, go on. Jamie, pull that up. Jamie. Silence. Jamie doesn't <laughs> exist. Because like, Griffin's still in there. Dude, the guy made a pure project of passion, and it ended up being the best-selling game of all time. Okay. Do you know what another one of the top selling games of all time is? Terraria. Terraria. That game was sick. Yeah, okay. That's a top five all time selling game. I don't know if you knew that. Really? Yeah, that what is that game? That is fucking like a couple of dudes who had like a really cool idea. They never even sold out. That's what's really impressive about them. Bro, those dudes just like scour internet forums and they'll see a post like, dude, it would be so fucking sick if I could like tame a, a 
dinosaur and ride a dinosaur. And they're like, yeah, that would be sick. Okay, we're going to add that. <laughs> no game we haven't even brought up that also could probably sell for billions just because the brand was Fortnite. <laughs> How you do you never buy Fortnite? Because Fortnite is backed by, like, half the reason Fortnite exists is to prop up the Unreal Engine. What's that? It's a game engine that's made by the guys who made Fortnite. Oh. And they are on the cutting edge of game engines. So you, like, game developers will pay to use that? Not exactly. Um, it's They take a percentage of your sales for that one. So mm. I think, like, if you sell a game using the engine, they take, I, I want to say it's 20%. Whereas the, the engine I use, you just pay a flat 100 and you own the rights to everything. But if you use uh, Unreal, they take 20%. So originally, really what Fortnite was supposed to be in like its original form was just an advertisement for the Unreal Engine. They just wanted to make like a neat game in it. Minecraft sold for two and a half billion. Two and a half, okay. I, was, I said six, I think. Yeah. Uh, I like, googled why it got canceled. Mm, not finding it. Oh, steps down. Here we go. Okay, keep going. Well... Bro got canceled before getting canceled was cool. It says 2011. Oh, yeah. Well, because he got canceled by, like, Microsoft because he was, like, a brand risk. Not He wasn't, like, removed from Twitter. Oh. It was just, like, okay, we're selling kids games, and this dude is saying some shit that, like, we don't want to be associated with. Oh. That's kind of different. Yeah. The point I'm trying to make is, like, like top-selling games are, like, Minecraft, Terraria, uh, Tetris, right? Those are, like, like, top five games. Diablo 3 is, like, a top 25 before gta like a lot of these games are like just fucking cool ass projects man and like you know terraria and minecraft were started by like one two people man those are small projects just pure passion like the goal of minecraft wasn't to make two and a half billion dollars <laughs> like no no and, and like the whole point of all of this is to say like if you really want to express your artistry to the maximum degree then you need to have a little bit of monetization in it <laughs> yeah Yep. And a little bit of appeal. Cater a little bit. Well, since we've kind of naturally wrapped it up and we have 10 minutes. Go time? Yeah. Unless there's anything else you wanted to talk about. Let's, we can uh, run it back in. Oh, no, you're not going to be in St. Louis, huh? Are you going to go back to St. Louis when our folks move there? No, nah, I'm coming back in Christmas, though. Okay. I'll bring all my stuff. This is the whole setup. Yeah. Laptop charger, power cord, sound bar. It's going to be hard to fly with the table. Yeah, that's true. I might have to dismantle it, like reverse Ikea. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, we'll run it back for Christmas. All right, bro. Sounds good. Thanks for coming on. Oh, shout shout out your YouTube channel and all that. Oh, um, uh, Goblin Inc. (laughs) And then, yep, the Goblin Inc. YouTube channel, dude. We'll try to... I'll try to shout out this podcast once you're done editing it. Okay. Well, it'll be up in the morning for sure because, well, it'll be up in like an hour, but then people won't notice it until the morning because it's late. Is that how it works? Like you see it when people wake up, downloads go up? Oh, yeah. It definitely, like my, uh, the web hosting, the hosting website will tell me, it'll break it down like, like a, um, like a graph where the y axis is uh time of day and the x axis is day of week yeah and it like you know colors in or whatever darker or lighter 
But yeah, it definitely makes a difference. Uh, I think pretty universally, like Thursdays and Saturdays are the best day to release. Really? Like Thursday afternoon, uh, Saturday morning. And you night. see that reflected in your downloads? Views? I don't think so. Mine aren't very consistent, just because uh, I'm still learning. Yeah, it's smaller. Yeah, well, the, you'll start to not just because it's smaller, but it's things like. At this point, the podcasts that do the best, like the guests in my conversation, have almost nothing to do with how well the episode. Like it's purely the audio quality. Like the the ones that sound the best do the best without a question. Really? Yeah, and it's like it's almost like some of my favorite episodes that I felt the best about are like near the bottom. The only one that uh, the audio quality was a little bit shaky that still dominated was this one I did with a guy named Ben Friedman, which that episode was awesome. That one was so much fun to record, but that was like the old mics. I did like the best I could with those microphones, but the audio still wasn't great. Huh. But it's like the one I did with uh, Leeway was so much fun. I love those guys and like it. It didn't do that good just because the audio. So the the software that I use has this bar kind of towards the top left that just says recording volume. And the previous few episodes before Leeway, you could hear where like the cap was, like the audio ceiling. So I thought if I turned that down, then Mm. you wouldn't be able to notice the cap as much. But it ended up just making everything above that like super grainy and like crunchy. So yeah, that one didn't do that well. So audio quality is the that's like yeah, that's like damn near the I mean, without a question, the number one factor. So like if it sounds good, it just gets more downloads. Yeah. I have no idea why, because it's not like Spotify has an algorithm. And YouTube has actually kind of turned out to be like a non factor for me at all. Like the first maybe five well, the types of content you're uploading is really bad for YouTube. Well, the first five or ten episodes I did probably on YouTube alone averaged like I want to say almost 20 downloads or 20 views. Yeah. And then like the last 10 or 15 or whatever have done like you want to know why? three, four, five. You want to know why? Because it figured out that my channel ain't shit. You failed the test. <laughs> That's what but it is. But it'll get there once I get video. It'll get better. Video will help. Yeah. And hit me up, dude. I want to help you with that. I'll teach you some shit. Yeah, we'll figure it out. But thanks a lot for the hour and a half. That was a good time. Wish you ten more. We could, yeah, we could run it back before you leave and just talk about not gaming stuff. Uh, good luck. What? I don't know if I'm capable. Oh well, <laughs> I believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, signing off. Peace out, everybody.